Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Hey everybody, welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And this is a podcast, so we're in a horror movie just for you. Just for all of you. And uh, here we are closing out Greatest Fears Month. Yeah, we got a good one. Um, um, Hallie, how you doing? I'm okay. Um, again, a hot, muggy fall here in um, yeah. beautiful Los Angeles, overcast, humid as fucking hell. Um, oh, God. Which, again, uh, you hate to see it. Um, other than that, uh, well, by the time this comes out, we're, I'll, I will be, I, we're, I'm visiting New York, so I'm very excited. I just booked my tickets for the end yeah. of September. Ooh, this will come out like, when you're here, kind of. I'm I, I'm so excited. I'm like very. I'm trying to make a list of things to actually go. I'm yeah. I'm like going to be yes. there for a short period of time. Yes, but I'm kind we'll of like stuff to do. Yeah, like what should I actually be doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's mostly food, I would imagine. Uh, that's a great point. I'm gonna. Try it's to like sim- seeing people and eating food. I will say the three people I've talked to happened to be out that exact weekend. I'm town. I'm like, well, it would have been nice, but that's on oh. me. I, oh, you know, I guess you'll just have to come back. I do want to come back for a little bit, lo- for like a longer amount of time in December because I have two weeks off. So oh, nice. I would love to come back if I can. Um, and other than that, God, I don't know, man. It's fucking work. Work yeah. and read the news and scream like everybody. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How you doing? I'm good. I just got back from, it's, like, obviously been, like, hot and terrible here as well with, like, whiffs of, like, ooh, it's not that hot. And then, like, you do one thing, you're like, it is very hot. Um, yeah. But I just got back from being in Portland and Seattle, and I have to say also, like, think, like huge hordes of, ru- like, like people in ruined merch, um, like, ruined fans came out to my shows in a way That's that I was so just, like, nice. I'm so psyched, and I think I, like, drunkenly told everybody, I was like, we're gonna try and come to every city, so I guess we're gonna have to do that now. Oh, um, that's great. But everybody was so lovely. But when I landed in Seattle, I went to the aquarium, um, and I got to see the otters. Oh. And, like, they're just having the best, I mean, like, I don't love that they're in an aquarium, but I like that I got to see them. But, like, they're so cute. And I was, like, sta- I was like delusionally tired. I had taken, like, a 7 a.m. flight um, east to west. So, like, I landed at, like, 10 a.m., like Seattle time. Um, and I like saw them and I was so tired and like a little fucked up from like whatever drugs I take to fly. And I just like, I was like alone at the aquarium in the middle of a beautiful Sunday. It's everybody with their kids. And I was just like crying at the otters. Cause I was Ugh. just like, you're all so special. They have their favorite rocks that they keep in their pockets. Oh God. Well, there is something I think so um, like, normalizing and beautiful about being around any part of nature. Yes. And when that part of nature has a little face, it carries and, like, around has a little, little rock. Hands. And God they were doing like, them. they have the little nose. It's like really sniffy. It's like, like just kind of like popping out of the water and just like twirling a lot. And you're just like, I love you. I just, I love otters. So it was very cool to get to see them in person. I'm really glad. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, it really was. I need to go to an aquarium. No, no. Yeah. You and I want to go to at the, um, at the botanical, I believe at the L.A. Ooh. Botanical Gardens, um, they have, uh, you know, baby, a butterfly exhibit. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, if someone's having a butterfly exhibit, you gotta I'm go. going to go. Because you might think, Hal, you've seen enough butterflies. No, I haven't. No. I don't think How anybody could see enough butterflies. Yeah, know? so I just got to figure out which one it is at because I saw an ad for it. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Yeah, the Natural History Museum here has a big butterfly room as well. Oh, it's so good. Oh, God. Um, okay, the Butterfly Pavilion at the Natural History Museum. I'm going, baby. You gotta go. I gotta go. Hey, it's <laughs> us, also from the podcast you're listening. This is Hallie. 
Zelda. And guys, we are doing a live ruined episode. A physical, you can physically attend this event. The time yes. has come. The time has come. September 30th, which is a Saturday um, at 8 p.m. Eastern. We are going to be doing the live, that's this Saturday, if you're listening to I don't know. I don't know what week it is where you live, we and I don't want to judge weeds, you for that. Allison. Can't get the weeds with time. Time is too complicated. But we will be in person in Greenpoint in Brooklyn at Arcastratus, and the tickets are going to be in the uh, in the episode description link, so you can go find the live show tickets there. But if you are going to watch digitally because you don't live in Brooklyn, we understand, and we're still doing that. And you can go to moment.co/ruined. As always. So please come out if you can. It's going to be exciting. We've never done this before. So if it, and it goes horribly, well, you'll be there for it. And isn't that thrilling? The thrill yes. of live performance. Yes. And if you watch online, you're going to be able to see Hallie and I in the same room. And of course, the movie we're doing um, is the movie Devil, executive produced by <laughs> one Mr. M. Night Shyamalan himself. And it is, of course, people trapped in an elevator with the devil who's to say oh we'll say during the live show so please come out or if not please watch it on momenthouse.com slash ruined nope moment.co slash ruined talk all right moment.co slash ruined i feel like our listeners know this link better than you do um, they do which is fine they do you don't need to know it um or if you are in brooklyn please 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 join us in person archistratus is an amazing um bookstore and they have food and there's going to be wine and you know all 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 the faves are going to be hanging out so we're so psyched and please join us either in person or online at the show september 30th at 8 p.m we love we love you (laughs) we love you see you there Um, we, we are, of course, closing out um, Greatest Fears Month with a fear that I think is pretty common. Yes. Not, not so, um, it doesn't actually happen that often, yes. thankfully, now that uh, we have uh, a little more modern technology and don't live in the Victorian era. Yes. And that fear, of course, is being buried alive. Hi. And the movie we're doing is 2010's Ryan Reynolds' vehicle, Buried. Hi. Which I remember seeing at the time, but of course, I mean, hearing about the time, mm-hmm. but not seeing, of Me course. Too. yeah. And um, Allison, uh, we always like to have her watch the trailer. And uh, Allison, what are your thoughts about the trailer for Buried? Uh, Absolutely horrifying. Like, this Mm -hmm. is such a horrifying... This was also a plot line on Days of Our Lives, which I watched in the 90s. That's so funny. With my mother, because she would watch it every day. Um, That's very funny. When she got home from school, and I got home from school because she was teaching, and uh, she would record it on the same VHS tape, like, over and over and over again. So, like, these tapes eventually wore out. She'd be like, time for a new tape. But she taped it every day and then watched it later. And, boy, when Marlena got buried alive, that was... Was it Marlena? No, was it John Black? I don't know. I'm not going to figure this out now. But um, I I believed you either way. Um... No, Marlena was kept in a golden birdcage by Stefano in, in France. Um, Ooh, okay. There was a lot. She then got it. possessed by the devil. There was a lot happening in Salem. but Okay, um, interesting. But there was a Buried Alive plotline. I remember even on a soap opera, like even with like that production value and like that kind of corniness and cheesiness, I still remember that being terrifying because it's just like no matter how you're presenting it, it's so scary. And in the trailer, I will say one of the things that really like was a moment where I was like... <gasps> Uh, um, is when you see that phone battery uh, on its last, you know, the old yes. phone uh, being on its last bar. And you're like, oh, that's the one. That's the hope. And once yeah. it's gone, you're dead. The baby, you did. You did. Um, absolutely. Um, we always like to take a baseline scary. And I think you know what the baseline scary is going to be, Allison. How scary do you find the concept of being buried alive in a coffin? I mean, again, is it something I think is ever going to happen to me? No. Oh, not I hope not. Um, but the concept itself is like, again, it's a thing that can, ha- that's, it's not, how scary do you find aliens coming down and stabbing you in the head yeah. with an intergalactic knife? Like, it's just not really something I'm, um, you know, could wrap my head around. Rude. First of all, rude. <laughs> um <laughs> Like, something that's kind of, like, outside of the realm of, like, the reality we know at this point. But, like... Yeah. But being buried alive, I mean, it's surely happened to people. 
Yeah, you got, I mean, obviously, you know, you pray and you hope that if you were to be buried alive, you would simply suffocate or you become unconscious and you wouldn't yeah, quickly. wake up. But you do, you do always have those, like, the horror stories about people being unearthed and they've clawed up the top of the coffin and their nails are all split. Yeah. And who wants to go through eternity with their nails all fucked up? No. You know what I mean? That's what terrifies me. Um, but yeah, unlikely, and but in this case, uh, deliberately buried alive. So yeah. not a mistake at a funeral no. or at a, at a morgue. I think there's this, also something extra scary about it because, like, the act is, like, death. Like, in the way, yeah. that, like, other, where it's like, yes. oh, I'm afraid of heights. Like, but being up high is not, like, a literal experience of, de- like, you're in a coffin underground. Like, that's where dead people are. Like, there's something, yes. like, the tie to. pre-dead. Yes, yes. Death's waiting room. It, it's kind of like people were like, uh, well, uh, cars kill more people than guns. And it's like, yeah, but a car could take you to Target. Yeah. Like a gun, like a, you shoot <laughs> someone with a gun, that's not Target. I don't know. Like, it, it just, yeah, the, the, a similar argument. And before we get started, would you like to guess the twist in Buried? Mm. Guess the twist. I'm going to guess that He's because I, I kind of in the trailer you get like a tiny bit of plot of like he was maybe a soldier or doing something. Um, I'm gonna guess he's in an he he does survive, mm-hmm. and when he's unearthed, he's in an entirely different country. Ooh, I love that. Okay, that's great. Okay, <clears throat> let us begin. Ruining buried. Mm-hmm. The movie opens with a man named Paul Conroy, played by Ryan Reynolds, waking up in a coffin because he has been buried alive. The entire film takes place in the coffin. Uh, mm. through a series of phone calls and mishaps within the coffin. Um, it's also not like a... Coffin mishaps. Not like a line coffin, like sort of like, it's just like a rough, a hewn box. box. Yeah. It is his coffin. Uh, it's not like a coffin you would go and pick out at a funeral home. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort of hear Paul realize he's at a coffin and start hyperventilating and panicking. And we luckily he has like a Zippo lighter and he flicks it oh and he starts looking around and obviously would screaming, pounding on the lid of the coffin. But... Uh, there is at least, uh, presumably six feet, if you're lucky, a little less, but either way, uh, pounds and pounds of uh, dirt on top of him. He cannot open the uh, the open the door. Oh, my God. He cannot I'm open like the getting, coffin like, door, right? stressed out hearing just this already. He also has a gag in his mouth, and he has his hands tied together. So he's able to pull the gag out of his mouth. It's just a strip of cloth. And he tries to burn the strip that's holding his hands together, but he's just burning his hands so finally, he's able to find an exposed nail and saw through his bindings so he can finally okay. be mobile in the coffin he's been buried in. I mean, I have to say there's also a huge part of being uh, buried alive or trapped in a coffin that would be stressful because, like, as someone who changes sleep positions quite often, it would get very frustrating to be not able to get more comfortable. And so we that was my question. So, like, basically, there's enough space for him to turn over, like, onto his stomach— but he cannot easily, like, if he wanted to, like, put his head at the other end, it would be very di- difficult. Not impossible, but, like, it's it's a— Could he lay on his side? Yes, he could lay on his side. Okay. So if he wanted to take a, a dirt nap, in this case, uh, he that could. That, to me, is at least a, a slight—like, getting into the fetal position would feel, like, at least, like, a slightly less stressful yeah. uh, kind of physical experience. Allison, he hears a cell phone ring. It is, unfortunately, down near his feet, so he has to sort of frantically kick it up to himself— down near his feet. So by the time he gets up to him, he's missed the call, and he looks, and everything is in Arabic, and he Great. cannot figure out how to call the phone back. Like, there's no callback feature. So he just has to wait for someone else to call him. He fishes around in his pockets. He finds his wallet, but it's been emptied out. Okay. He also finds a flashlight that kind of doesn't work, and it keeps going out. Some pistachio shells he had in his pockets. Um, he has... Uh, and like a, um, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, pocket knife. Mm. So he does what I would do, which is he just calls 911. Yeah. And the woman picks up and says, uh, oh, 911. And he's like, uh, hi, I'm not sure how, where I am or how I got here, but I'm a truck driver, I'm an American. I believe I'm somewhere in Iraq. I work for CRT. I'm a civilian contractor. Uh, me and my convoy were attacked, and they shot oh everyone. And oh, my God. And I, 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 when I came to, I was in this coffin. And so basically he has a safety number that he's supposed to call his company CRT. Like basically they'll come and rescue you, like the individual yeah. company. Well, but obviously whoever took him took the safety number. So he's got nothing, yes. you know. 
Yeah. And the governor says, Mr. Conroy, this is a 911 emergency number in Youngstown, Ohio. And I'll be honest, I thought this was going to go in a much more interesting direction because I was like, oh, he's in Youngstown. He's not. So they never really explain why his 911 connects there. Because we find out later that he's from yeah. Michigan. Because I was like, oh, he's from Youngstown. So it's not maybe. even like yeah. his local, his like phone like knows where it's from or something? Also, it's not his phone. So I, Oh, it's not his phone. I so how did that— Allison, I don't know. We're not going to find out. We're not going to get she answers? she says, this woman helpfully okay. enough is like, I can patch you through the sheriff's department. And he says, forget it. And he hangs up. This guy screams, forget it, and hangs up so many times. And I'm going to say, this is mistake number one, but it's a continual mistake. Does that make like, sense? keep people on the line. You never know when someone will be able to help you. Yeah. Do not hang out on the phone when you're number one. Just, like, have her keep, like, passing you on to, like, you talk to the FBI yes. or the Pentagon. You know what I mean? Start with her and go from there. So then he calls his own home and leaves a message for his wife, Linda, and tells her to call the National Guard. He was attacked in Iraq and he's in a coffin. Can you imagine getting that call from your spouse? No. No. You're like, I'm in the middle of dinner. No. The outgoing message is recorded by their son. So they have a son together. Okay. He calls Linda's cell phone, leaves her a message. She's not picking up, leaves her. you like, I says to her, I'm buried in a box. I can't breathe in here. Call me whenever you can. And again, it's like, dude, you got to be calling, keep calling emergency numbers. Like your wife yeah. cannot help you. Yeah. She doesn't know where you are, right? And we see him take a sip from the flask, which is alcohol, and- he calls 911 again and he gets connected to a different 911 and he says to the guy, or sorry, he says to the woman, please connect me to the FBI. She says, well, what city would you like? We got Chicago, we got New York. He goes, just Chicago, just, uh, just have me connect with the FBI. Yeah, the, and to be fair. Whichever one does it. To be fair, yeah. he is buried in a coffin, so I am I yes. am trying to like, you know, hold space for that. But he's just screaming at these people who are like, sir, we don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. But, and she says, you don't have to be so rude. But she connects him, and the robotic voice reads off a number. And luckily, Allison, he has a pen. So he's able to write the pen number on the, the lid of the coffin in case it gets disconnected. Okay. So that's smart. So that's great. Writes on the coffin. And he gets connected to the FBI Chicago office. And he's picked up by Special Agent Harris. And unfortunately, Agent Harris starts to think, immediately is like, this is a prank call. This is bullshit. Right? Mm-hmm. So Paul says he, he was in a convoy of trucks. They're delivering kitchen supplies to a community center. You know, that stuff that we were doing in Iraq. Like, it was just sort of like, well, it's convenient that you were do- the only one who wasn't involved in occupying the country or waging yeah. war. Like, you were just delivering right. kitchen supplies. But to be Something. fair, there's plenty of people who took those jobs because they're good money. And I'm sure we're lied to and told something completely different that we now can look yes. back on and be like, that was what was going on. So I am mm-hmm. sympathetic to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, well, kids started throwing rocks at the trucks, and these insurgents popped up out of nowhere and started shooting everyone, and I got hit in the head with a rock, and when I woke up, I was here. And Agent Harris says, well, why didn't they shoot you? And he's like, I don't know. Great question. And then Agent Harris says, okay, let's try to figure this out. What's your social security, social security number? And Paul's like, who cares? What does it matter? Just come find me. Bitch, grow up. Like, they have to do— Say s- you're social. They have to do some due diligence— I say this because I'm like, just give anybody your social. Well, oh, please. I mean, if I have to give my social security number to some guy I met once who showed me an apartment I, and yeah. pray to God he doesn't steal my identity, it, that's the least of my problem. You know what I mean? Like if, Agreed. If, we get, if, if our identities get stolen but you get out of a coffin, that seems fine. Yeah. But also, I imagine the FBA gets a lot of questionable calls. So it's not a reasonably yeah. like, okay, so give me some sort of verification of who you are so yeah, I can look you us, up. Also, yeah. I can look up your employer. But Paul's like yelling at him. And it's like, again, I have to assume it's because he's panicked in the coffin, but why do I have to tell him my social security number? Because you're in a coffin, bitch. Like, you just got to do what you got to yeah. do, right? You got to listen to this lady. Allison, the phone call drops out, and Paul sees he has no signal, so he has to scoot around the coffin to try to get the signal back. I mean, how that works, I don't know. Why he doesn't call FBI back, I don't know, but he calls his employer, Creston Roland and Thomas CRT. And she gets through to someone okay. and says, sir, if you're in, this is an emergency, you have to call the security number you were given by your employer. So he's like, I'm sorry, whoever put me in this coffin took it out of my wallet, okay? She's like, that's fair. I'm going to put you through to Alan Davenport. He'll be able to help you. Allison Paul gets his voicemail. <laughs> and every time he has to leave a voicemail, he's like, I'm in a coffin! I'm in a coffin and I I'm back! Like, he's just like, please help me! He said, help right away. I can't breathe in here. I can't breathe. I didn't know how else to call. Please, I'm... <laughs> Fuck! And the call cuts off, and Paul starts to scream, like, fuck, and he's beating on the walls of the coffin. Again, if I could give my social security number to some guy who 
who showed me an apartment that I have to pray yes. to God is not is real. Right. You could call that FBI agent to give him your social security number and then tell him you're buried alive. Am I wrong? Right, you're connected through nine one one. Like it's not like you're, there's scammers who found you or like right. Yeah, give me your social and all of your credit cards. You're in a coffin. Um, but. Luckily, he was able to look, and he sees the call that called him. So, like, when that first time it rang, he's able to call it back. Yes. Also, the phone is entirely in Arabic, so he can't navigate it. So he can't figure yes. out, like, what to do with it. And he's panicking. And What kind of—what kind of, what, 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 it's like a, what era of phone? It's like phone. a flip phone. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like an iPhone or anything, but it's right. within— you know, I mean, like, we would have had this when we were adults, like, yeah. in our early 20s, you okay. know? So old, but okay, not, like yeah, not, like, type, from the like, 90s or anything. Not, like, a huge phone. Right. Um, and so he calls back that that number. And before he does, he writes the little, little of the coffin help with a question mark. Because, again, we just have to have a little visual flourish. We're in a coffin the whole time. Yes. He calls the number back, and it's out of service. He calls again, and he gets uh, a man named Jabir. Now, a Jabir is uh, giving what I would describe as uh, what... Um, Americans think people in Iraq probably yeah. sound like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine this movie doesn't really uh, handle. Yeah, and Jabir plays is played by Jose Luis Garcia Perez, um, who okay, is great. from Spain, and I think is doing what I uh, what I presume is sort of what he believes an Iraqi person would sound like, yes. which to mm-hmm. our ears now is like, well, we could have at least hired someone who speaks the language yes. and could maybe yes. get a little closer. To be fair, he is playing a terrorist who uh, kidnapped someone, so that's already problematic. But we do get into some of those things, you know. And he's yeah. like, oh, you, you're a soldier, you're Blackwater. Uh, no, sorry, uh, Jameer says, oh, you're a soldier. And Paul says, no, 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 I'm just a contractor. He's like, oh, Blackwater. He's like, no, 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 I'm not security. No, 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 no. Um, I'm just, I'm a civilian contractor. I, I just drive a truck. And Jameer says, if you're an American, you're a soldier to me. And he says to him, I want $5 million by 9 p.m. or you'll stay buried like a dog. You're like, how do I even yeah, do Paul's that? Like, I will call the, I will figure out a way to call the embassy if you come dig me up. If you dig me up right now, I will make sure you get $5 million. Well, what other, do you say, yeah. you know? It's like, at least dig me up and give me a chance. You're still, you could still kill me once I'm above ground if I don't give you $5 exactly. million. But at least like, I can't do much from underground. Allison Jabir hangs up. And Paul scratches oh out the word help on the lid of the coffin. Allison, at this point in the movie, what would you do? What would you do? I don't know. I, how do I kill myself in this thing? That's the question. How much alcohol is in that flask? <laughs> um, not, enough to kill, not enough to kill you, I'll tell you that much. All right, well, that's fair. <laughs> um, Maybe an Amish person. Yeah, right. Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yeah, um, no, she'd be dead. She'd be dead. Um, I am trying to kill myself in this. I am call, and I'm going to continue to, like, use that phone to call every yeah. fucking possible number that could exist and and stay on the phone with people long enough that it's, like, hopefully maybe somebody can, like, triangulate your location. I don't know if we did that back then, but I feel like at least if somebody could figure out where you are. Yeah. They could send people to go find you. I'll tell you what I would do. Die in the ground like a dog, Allison. Yep, that is absolutely what would happen to me. I'm going to say this. Honest to God, my first thought is like, I would just masturbate. Like, I would I would at least suddenly like, take my mind off what's happening. It'd be hard to kind of like get into it. <laughs> well, I mean, what else are you doing? <laughs> That's true. That's yeah, true. Okay, so There's yes, nothing it's else. it's a challenge of a lifetime, but like, you know. I'd Yeah, I'd burn up the uh, phone battery calling like uh like lava line or something. <laughs> <I> remember, yeah, <laughs> that's very funny. It's like she spent her last fifteen minutes of life calling like some a sex phone sex line from the nineties that like be like our grandparents were like. Abused. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, singles in my area. Okay, well my area is a coffin the- underground. So I hope so. Send <laughs> these gals my way. <gasps> Those ads were the best. Yeah. I always love the parody of them on 30 Rock. Where it's like, yeah. that's not even enough numbers in the phone number. 
<laughs> she cried all day. I remember call- using, um. like, the payphone. We would wait for our parents, like, after school. Like, if you had, like, yeah. after-school activities. It- you could call that for free, and then you have to, like, pay to talk to somebody. And so we would just call, yeah. listen to, like, the pre-recorded the automated- 30 seconds yeah. of, like, ooh, what are you doing? And we're like, whoa. <laughs> That's what sex is. And that is what sex is like, especially if you're in a coffin like. dying. Yes. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Paul turns over and, and he makes a lot of questionable decisions and he starts to like pull up the bottom boards of the coffin and we can hear the, sh- the sand start to shift around and we realize that he's buried in sand. So I was like, okay. okay, so why are you making the coffin filled with sand? Like why pull up the bottom? The only thing yeah. that can happen is sand comes in. And like, I would say there's a lot of terrible ways to die, but like drowning and suffocating in sand has to be up there as a really fucking bad yeah. one. Um, and, now, and then, of course, when you see, hear the sand, you're like, okay, so the top of the coffin's going to cave in. The sand will come in. That's what I would assume. Yes. Allison, yes. he's back on that phone, and he calls Donna Mitchell in Hastings, Michigan. Oh, my God. And then, of course, is, I believe, either Linda's sister or her best friend. And finally gets on the phone. He immediately starts screaming at her like a fucking dumbass. Instead of explaining anything, she's like, I am not fucking going to fucking talk to you like this when you're like this. And she hangs up and he goes, fuck you, you fucking cunt. It's like, you are going about this so wrong, dude. So wrong. And he calls Donna back and he apologizes. And he's like, Donna, I need you to look up the number for the State Department. And if you don't, I might potentially die. So please do it now. Donna's like, well, okay, I'll do it now. You should have told me. Right. He, she, she connects him. She gives him the number. He calls. He gets connected to a woman named Rebecca Browning. She says, okay, Mr. Conway, thank you for calling me. I just need some more information. He says, well, I didn't say your name. How did, I didn't say my name. How did you know my name is Conroy? She's like, well, you left a message with someone over at CRT, and they just called us. And so now they've, they let us know. And he's like, okay, here's what mm. happened. I, you know, this, there's this gunfight, and now I woke up in a coffin. And he says, they've asked for $5 million. Will you pay it so I can get out of here? And she, he, she says, no, we don't negotiate with terrorists. We're not going to pay that. And I yeah. said, why not just lie? He doesn't need to know that. I, I'm really? sorry. Just be like, we are working exactly. on it. Just lie to him. Like, everyone here is so brutally honest. It's like, that's, I don't know the U.S. government. I find it hard to believe they would be honest in this situation, right? No, absolutely. They're not honest with us when it's like, how much money you owe them. Like, how, like. Like, I would just assume yeah. they're lying to you until you run out of oxygen. Like, I, I, I don't think, I would assume they would try to placate you, not the other way around. Yeah, and like, let, like make you feel like calm and comfortable and not like stressed out and abandoned by your country. Yeah. She will have her connected with Dan Brenner, who is a commander of the hostage working group in Iraq, because apparently this does happen quite a bit. People being taken hostage and held for ransom. Okay. So, um, and Paul's like, you know what? How about I call the news, huh? Then you guys would maybe respond. You're just trying to cover your ass. And she's like, please do not call the news. That is not going to help you. The news is not going to be able to find no. you either, okay? But no. here's, connect, connect with Dan Brenner. She connects him. Uh, Dan tells him, we're going to use your phone GPS to find you. I've been doing this for nine months. I've been here. This happens to dozens of people, unfortunately. I have been able to find people in this exact situation. So okay. he's like, I need you. That's comforting, exactly. even if it doesn't end up working. He says, switch your phone from vibrate to a ringtone to save your battery um, and start looking around uh, the inside of the coffin for logos or manufacturing details because that'll help narrow down where you are. Because he was attacked in a certain city, so like we were probably outside the city, right? So we just yeah. had to head to that city and then start looking where you could be and start talking to people. And Paul says, do you know if anyone else from my convoy survived? And Dan says, we're looking into that now. We don't know yet. It doesn't look like it, but we will... We will also check in on that. And before they hang up, Paul says, I'm just a truck driver. I didn't know it would be like this over here. Dan says, I don't think any of us did. Guys, you invaded Iraq. 
Like, I'm yeah. not saying this particular situation, but I was like, it's a war zone. What did you think was yeah. going to happen? What did you think it was going to be over there where it's like, oh, so sorry, you go ahead, yeah. please. Like, <laughs> Yeah, uh, people are not thrilled, you know. Uh, just then, Jabir calls, and Paul immediately starts arguing with Dan's like, uh, write down the number, tell me the number. And Paul's like, I gotta answer it or else he'll hang up. Dan's like, just answer it. Like, he, Paul cannot help but argue with the person he's speaking with on yes. the phone. Um, so Jabir says, okay, so where are we at with the five million? And Paul says, yeah, talk to the government. They do not negotiate with terrorists. But also don't repeat Yes, that. exactly. It's like someone help this guy like, know what to say. Like, get, have the government like, don't tell exactly. Like, be like, oh, they're working you on know, it. They're, they're putting it together. They need to know how to reach exactly. you. You tell me how to reach you. Like, it's like, there's ways to, I mean, I'm sure that, like, the stress of being um, buried alive in a coffin would cloud a little bit of your normal logic. But Absolutely. And at this point, this is on, not man. on Paul. He talked to Dan and Rebecca Browning, and the CRT could got, CRT guy could call the, him back. Do It's not on Paul now. He has talked to actual professionals that are also not giving him good um, yes. ideas, right? And Jabir says, oh, I'm a terrorist because I terrified you. Okay, I see how it is. And Paul's like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I was here for a job and I was kidnapped. It's not my fault. Jabir says, you know, before you came, I had a job. My family all had jobs. And isn't it funny how when you guys showed up, no one has a job because the fucking economy collapsed. Like the whole fucking uh, country's in ruins. I don't have a job. And Paul says, that's not my fault. And Jabir says, well, 9-11 wasn't my fault. Saddam wasn't my fault, but here we are. Whose I fault mean, is that, you know? The man makes a point. And Paul says, I am here to actually work and to rebuild. We were we were dropping off supplies at a community center. And Jameer says, yeah, rebuilt what you people destroyed. So I appreciated that they at least acknowledge of like, sure, maybe you weren't doing that, but you were a service of the military machine that yes. is America yep. in the world, mm, you know? Yeah. But you do feel bad for Paul. Paul's like, I swear to God, I'm just a truck driver. I took this job because yeah. it's money. I really, I didn't decide any of this. I know you didn't either, but like, please help me. I don't have $5 million. But like, we're just two guys. We're just so. two guys. And Jameer's like, okay, I want you to make a video of yourself and then send it to me because then that's sort of like uh, video evidence. And that was that era, unfortunately, of people being kidnapped and making and being in videos. Yes, videos. Also, like, what kind of internet service is available under, like, girl? I feel like I can't send a video if I'm like, Near the subway sometimes. It, like, won't go through. Yeah. Like, he's easily six feet under sand, and he's sending videos on an old phone and, like, old and internet? Has, like, well, so he has bars. So it's not even on the internet. It's not Wi-Fi. It's, it's literally like, his bars apparently service. six feet underground in Iraq. I was like, that's a pretty good phone. Yeah. yeah I couldn't get uh, reception in my apartment before I set up my Wi-Fi. Like, I literally couldn't yeah, make a no, phone it's call. A nightmare. And I have at but Paul says, I mean, listen, I'll make the video, but just so you know, they already said they will not pay five million. And Jabir says, we'll take one and hangs up. So he's basically like, we'll take one million, make the video. One, you know, it's a little Paul easier. reaches down to like get the bag and sort of look around because there's a bag of stuff and there's a glow stick. The one is cracked and the other one is unlit. There's also the, fel- oh, we saw the flashlight earlier. We saw the pocket knife and then there's a note. And so apparently he has to read the note and make a video of like all of his information. And he reads it and he crumbles it up and he throws it away. He's like, I'm not making a fucking video for these people. Instead, he calls home again, gets the voicemail again, and we see that he's down to his last two bars. He calls Dan back, thankfully, and gives him Jabir's number. And Dan's like, oh, great. This is actually a lot better because then we could track his phone and go talk to him directly. Because we are not having, we're having a hard time tracking your phone because you are six feet under the fucking ground. Yes, of course. And Paul says, they want me to make a hostage video. And Dan says, do not do this. Like, like basically, we have to create leverage. Like, like we cannot give them any leverage. Like, they have all the leverage, so it's like, we have to create a situation where we, they feel like we have some leverage. If you send them a hostage video, we don't have any leverage. Paul is very distraught at this point. He's like, I, I you don't care about me. This is, the, you don't care. This is an international, you just don't want this to go to the press. Like, you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want there to be an inter- international incident, which is probably true. He's like, you don't care about me. You don't care about anyone who I was working with. If I was a diplomat or a politician, I would be out of here. Like, fuck you, Dan. And Dan says, look, I understand what you're saying. The people who did this are desperate. Again, mm-hmm. the, the the economy has collapsed in their country. We are, It was invaded by America. They are criminals but because they have to be. Like, this is an industry that exists, and this is true in other countries now where it's like, yes, it is absolutely. one thing to be like, oh, they're criminals. It's another thing to be like, 
understand it in the context of this is how people can get money. Most normal people yes. cannot get money. Can't get money. To, so it's like, you can be mad, but also like, this is a regular person. This is not this some is mastermind. Yeah. These are just some guys who are like, fuck this, we have to figure out. That's why I went from five to one million. He's, they're just, you know, out here just trying anything. And right. Paul said, you said that you've rescued people from this exact situation. Tell me one of their names. I just need to hear it. Dan says, Mark White, 26-year-old med student, Doctors Without Borders. Insurgents grabbed him three weeks ago He is and buried him alive. He is alive and back at school. We found him. We will find you, okay? Okay, that's what you want exactly. to hear. Right, like, it's like, and even if that's completely a lie, just fucking tell him that, right? Like, and he's like, calm right. down. And Paul says, you actually, I have anxiety. I have pills for it. He had pills for his anxiety the whole time. I'd just be fucking just, I'd be eating all just of them. Just chugging yeah. them. Dan says, take the pills, relax, and the less you hyperventilate and the less you run your lighter, it won't burn up the oxygen. So yes. um, luckily they have the glow stick, so he cracks the glow stick and he's sort of just laying there. Unfortunately, Jabir calls him and says, start screaming at him to make the video. And Paul's like screaming and freaking out, being like, I, I can't, I can't. He hangs up. Stop screaming. Luckily, his anxiety meds kicked in um, and he takes a gulp from his flask. Allison, it is 7.20 and Jabir said, we need this by 9 p.m. So they have an hour 40. Oh God. He calls his mother's nursing home, his mother, Marianne, and asks to speak to her. And this is a very oh. sad exchange where, because she does not remember him, because she has obviously no. Alzheimer's. But, but finally, eventually, yeah. she goes, oh, Polly, I remember you. And he's like, yes, exactly, your son. Remember, we lived in this house, you know. She says, how are you doing? And he says, not good. This is probably the last time I will talk to you. Which, again, I mean, like, maybe I would tell my parents that. I probably would just be like, I just wanted to talk to you. Like, I probably wouldn't be like, yeah, I had a coffee. I don't think I would put, You know, I probably wouldn't yeah. say that. I mean, totally honest. Well, especially to a parent with Alzheimer's where it's like, can't you just have a nice conversation that she can maybe hold on to since? Yeah. I don't, like, why, why, why put her through the stress? But, you know, she also doesn't remember anyways. And, she, right. you know, she's, he says, uh, I just want to tell you I love you. Would you tell me you love me back? And she goes, oh, you know, your father and I have been playing gin rummy all night. You know, and she just, like, she's not there. You know, he's, she, he, he yeah. just tells her goodbye, I love you. And he hangs up and he's just sobbing. And he gets another call, but in that moment he's so distraught. He doesn't answer. Mm -hmm. And he looks at his phone and he's received a text. And as he texts of a ostensibly American woman with a gun to her head. And he immediately recognizes oh. her. And he calls hey. Jabir back and says, don't hurt her. She has two kids. And Jabir says, two? That's so funny. I had five, and now I have one. So how about you fucking make me the ransom Why? video, bitch? And so he records the video, which is just him yeah. laying out all the facts we know. My name is Paul Conroy. I'm an American citizen from Hastings, Michigan. I'm a civilian truck driver for Creston, Roland, and Thomas. And I've been taken hostage somewhere in Iraq. And then sends it to Jabir, and then he kind of falls into an uneasy sleep. Allison, he wakes up to find a snake crawling up his pant leg. And is it inside the inside pants? The, inside the pants. pants. Inside the pants. Oh. Is it wrong that it's like I'd rather be bitten by a snake and die than suffocate in a coffin for days? I absolutely would also rather be bitten by I was a like, snake and bring die. it on, you scaly little bitch. You know. <laughs> also, this you're in his house, right, or her house? Yes. So this man does yeah. what I would describe as the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen in a movie. Which is, he oh uses God. his flask to sort of create a barrier of booze, like, at the bottom of the funeral. I'm oh, sorry, at the bottom of the um, coffin. Coffin. And then he uses his lighter to set it alight to create a, a little wall of flame to force the snake out back through the hole. So now there's, he has set a fire in his own coffin, Allison. In sand. In With no water or ability to put it out. And now it's burning up all the oxygen. Right. And also, in his terror, he has kicked the phone to the bottom of the coffin. So now he basically has to, like, scooch around and try to grab it. Look In the fire. Luckily, the snake is terrified with this turn of events. The snake slithers away, and he's able to throw sand from the uh, broken floor uh, bottom of the coffin over the fire and put it out. Though he does miss a call while this is all happening. And he, in the distance, he could hear the Islamic call to prayer. Which implies both that he is pretty close to the city and that yeah. he is not buried that deep because he could hear it. Yeah. So right. uh, he looks at his phone and then only then he realized he could set it to English. And I was like, that's dumb as fuck, but I absolutely would do that. I absolutely would oh, be like, same. oh my God. 
Yeah, it's very like I can't get something to turn on and I'm having a panic attack and it's like, it's not plugged in. Like it's that kind of like just complete oversight of like, did you try? And so luckily then he's able to navigate the phone and he's able to find out the number of the phone, which he wasn't able to give to Linda. He's like, just call me back if this comes up on the machine, but I can't tell you it. So he calls her. Again, Linda's still out and about and doing shopping, I guess. Women be shopping. Men be dying in a coffin under the ground. (laughs) And he leaves it for her. But Allison, he's down to one bar. And he gets a video back. It is the uh, woman from the photo. It is one of his coworkers, Pamela Luti, and who was kidnapped also from his convoy. And she says, my captor's requests have gone unanswered. Allison, she is shot point blank in the head. Aye. And Paul vomits when, she, when, he, when he sees this. Yeah, of course, because that's yeah. terrible. Um, and we see that he has a pocket knife and we see him. He's sort of, we hear a montage of all the calls and he sort of takes out the pocket knife and he presses it to his own throat. Like, if that's where we're headed, maybe I should just do this. I mean, do it. But then he hears his son's voice in his head from the um, voicemail. Okay, and he yeah. puts it down. And Dan calls him and says, bitch, why did you make that video? I told you. He says, Paul says, you don't care about me. You're just babysitting me until you die. It's like, okay, well, your ransom video is at uh, 47,000 hits on YouTube. And it's becoming an international incident. And we still don't know where the fuck you are because it didn't help us in any way. And Paul says, why did... Well, it's not going to hurt. I mean, at this point, what could? Paul says, why did I have to find my phone number myself? Why wouldn't you know something like that? And Dan says, I don't know everything. I just know what I know. Which I also thought was going to turn out to be something. Allison, it doesn't. Oh, okay. Cool. Paul says, have other people from my convoy survived? And Dan says, none that we know of. And they have no further time to discuss it because nearby we hear a huge explosion... And the oh, coffin no. lid snaps and sand starts pouring in. No, 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 no. See, this would be like, this would be where I'd be like, oh, I wish I was already dead because this yeah. is terrible. Allison, who will survive this film? Who will survive? I do not think he's going to make it out alive. Okay. Um, I think you're, uh, you're onto something here. Yeah, I think so. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Paul screams... And the phone rings again, and it's Alan Davenport from CRT. So he, the one he left a okay. voicemail with uh, initially. And he's able to sort of wedge the boards back together so the sand isn't coming in quite as intensely, but it's still trickling in. And Alan says, well, we saw your video. Have you talked to the media? He's like, I didn't talk to the media, you bastards. Don't care talk about to the me. media. He's like, Paul, I'm going to go ahead and record this phone call. Do I have your consent? And Paul's like, oh, sure. What do I? F- yeah, who cares anymore? He says, Paul, will you were hired. Were you made aware of the dangers of the job? And did you sign a contract explaining the company policy on hostages? And Paul says, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Alan tells him, as of this morning, your CRT employment was terminated due to your affair with your coworker, Pamela Luti, which is strictly against CRT rules. And due to that, you no longer work for CRT. And since you're alive at the end of your termination, you do not work for us anymore. And Paul realizes, oh, you're doing this so you don't have to pay my insurance out to my family. Yes. You yes. are cutting me off of my benefits to lead, not only let me die in a fucking coffin, to screw over my wife and child. Am I right? And Alan says, I'm sorry. And Paul hangs up the phone. Allison, it's 8.30, or 30 minutes left. And as if that wasn't bad enough, the coffin top cracks again, and sand starts dumping in. Paul sand. calls Dan, and Dan tells him there's been a bombing over, over the city. Three F-16s leveled part of it. If the people who took you were killed, I can't really tell you if we can find you where you are. 
So if Jabir was some of the people, like if he was amongst the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, we don't know what to do. Oh my God. Uh, but we are going to continue to try to track your signal. Paul says, okay, what should I do? And Dan says, I don't know. And Paul says, you know, it's weird knowing I'm, I'm dying. It's weird knowing I'm going to die. It's weird. What is knowing? I wish this could have gone differently, Paul. And so Paul records a last will and testament, in which he includes his social security number, which is funny. It's like, okay, now you're willing to share it. And birthday. And he leaves a message for his wife and his kid. And he mm. leaves his wife, Linda, $700 in his savings account and whatever is left in his annuity. And he doesn't really have anything else, so he leaves his son Shane his clothes. And he's like, he'll grow into them and basically just leaves this lovely video for them. Will mm. they ever see it? I don't know. I hope he texted it to Dan. They don't say it, but you got to. Yeah, it's like... And he hangs up, yeah. and he watches his lighter die. And in the darkness, his phone rings, and it's Jabir again. Ask, ask about right. the money, and Paul says, "I'm the coffin's filling with sand, dude. I, I, the money's not happening. And he says, you know, if you cut your finger and bleed and record the video, I bet they'll pay. Paul says, no, I'm not going to fucking do that at this point. Allison... Also, like, what would that... Like, it's like he's in a coffin, like, trapped underground, but, like... Oh, he's bleeding from the finger? Like, now we have sympathy and let's, yeah. let's send the money. This is serious. It's like, it's been serious. Allison Jabir has uh, Paul's family's home address. And he says, you show blood or they show blood. You have five minutes. And Paul calls Dan and gets his voicemail and tells him Jabir is still alive. He wasn't killed in the bombing. And he watches the video of Pamela again and cries. And he cuts himself and films it. Because what else is he going to do? I mean, yeah, may as well. You're going to die anyway. Like, give it a last shot, even though it doesn't make any sense. And as he looks up, he can hear people digging, and he hears the lid of the coffin opening and a soldier asking if he's okay. But he's obviously just hallucinating. He's actually staring at the sand falling through the cracks in the coffin lid. However, he gets one final phone call, and it's Dan. And he's in, like, a speeding Humvee. You could hear it. Like, they're driving. He's like, we're almost there. A Shiite insurgent was captured, and he says he knows where an American was buried alive. He's leading us to you. We are three minutes out. Allison, the coffin is filling with sand. And he says, I, Paul says, I have to go. And it's Linda calling him back. Allison, the sand is pretty much to the top of the coffin. Oh, my God. But he and his wife get to say goodbye. And, of course, he's not going to let her know. He's finally wised up. He's like, I'm not going to let her know that I'm not getting out of here. No. And no. he tells her, I love you. I swear I'm coming home. I'm going to come home. Aww. And she's like, I love you, and I'm so sorry. And he hangs up. And Dan calls back, and he's like, I'm sorry we got to the grave and we dug it up. But it's not yours. He brought us to Mark White's grave. Meaning, that story he told about Mark White being, Mark White being rescued was a lie. Oh. And he says, I'm sorry, Paul. And the coffin goes dark as the sand fills to the top. The end. Whoa. Yeah. What a dark ending. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what. And I'll be absolutely honest. Like, there are some elements of this that I think have not aged well. But the main thing is, like, yes. uh, when he said they had an affair, he goes, like, oh, well, she's just a coworker. And I think there must have been an original version where they were having an affair. And then they, like, kind of didn't want him to be a bad guy. But to me— Yeah, because otherwise, like, the sympathy is a little harder to gain. Um, but I feel like if you're shooting a movie that's in one place, you have to, like, it has to be then about the character. Like, you have to, like, because yeah. I kept thinking, be like, the keys keeps repeating he's a just a truck driver. So I thought we were going to reveal, like, actually, there were weapons in the truck. Right. I thought, like, oh, that will be the reveal. It's like, yeah, you're not, you are yes. part of this. And the fact that they didn't do anything interested in, with it, I think, made me feel like that was, like, a studio note or something. Because you can't, if it's just a guy in a coffin... To make him just a good guy, a very American and kind of boring. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, all right. I mean, it's sad. Yeah. But um, what are some fatal mistakes? His poor wife also then, like, is going to find out he's dead and then also that she doesn't get a life insurance payout. Yes. That's awful. Um, Allison, uh, what were some fatal mistakes you think were made in Buried? <laughs> Mistakes. I mean, it's like, I don't think that anything that he did could have changed the outcome, 
But the stuff he was doing along the way was all the wrong stuff to do. Yeah. So it's like this kind of like, are they fatal mistakes? Like, probably not. Like, I don't think there was a way out for him. But it's like the setting the fire and um, general phone etiquette yeah. and hanging up on people constantly and and not like, I mean, I get it, but like not like sitting and figuring out like, can I switch this phone to... English instead of Arabic, like, it's, like, all those things, like, I maybe you could have had a chance, but I think ultimately, like, yeah, we saw what happened to the other guy by the end. Like, we just know it's not, they're not going to find him. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, the mistake was uh, America being a military yes, invading Iraq. force around the world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, a mm-hmm. lot of people are just, did just take those jobs. Like, a lot of people who are in the in the military, they don't, it is a financial and decision more than anything else. It is not mm-hmm. even a right. patriotic decision. It's like, well, what are my other options? No. Who's gonna? How do I get paid for college? You know. So right. I am very sympathetic to that. And then, yeah, how how to know what you're gonna um, like how how you would act um, in this situation? Yeah. Um, and then finally, where would you where would you put this movie on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. I think this is like a six. Mm-hmm. It's like stressful and scary and claustrophobic. But then like you're also like, come on, man, stop setting fires. and Like stop like burning your battery on like different phone calls that seem to be like not going anywhere. Like takes you out of the scariness a little and like unfortunately like puts a little bit of blame on him even though like I think there was no escape. Yeah. Um, but being buried alive is very horrifying. Yeah. What about you? Where would you put this? I'm going to go four. Um, I, I think yeah. I, I needed, I want to say it, a different actor. I love Ryan Reynolds, but yeah. I needed someone who's actually going to like be f- make me feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not someone, like, I think he can be very funny. He's obviously very handsome, very charming. Yeah. But, like, I'm not getting, like, emotion yeah. from him in the way that I would like for yeah. this. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Um, we hope you enjoyed uh, Greatest Fears Month. And yes, a lot of fears. Um, we're going to keep it keep it going next week with, um, or next month, we're doing Let's yeah. Scare Allison to Death. So feel free to no. let us know your suggestions on social. And yeah, um, until then, everyone, please. Please. Keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to follow us at Ruin Podcast and Crooked Media for show updates. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Ruined is a Radio Point and Crooked Media production. We're your writers and hosts, Hallie Kiefer and Allison Leiby. The show is executive produced by Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder, and recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. From Crooked Media, our executive producer is Kendra James, with production and promotional support from Ari Schwartz, Kyle Sieglin, Julia Beach, Caroline Dunphy, and Awa Okalati. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix.